let's hear it for New York. Concrete jungle where screams are made of. <laughs> These freaks will make you feel brand new. These frights will inspire you. <laughs> let's hear it for New York. Because you're, <laughs> you're listening to America's most New York podcast. <laughs> the pod people... I'm Matisse Van Rossum. I'm in an empire state of mind. I'm Ben Cheats, and hey, I'm screaming over here. There it is. See, mine was going to be, hey, I'm stabbing here. Oh, that's good, too. But instead, I'm going to have to ask you, what's your favorite movie? Hi, I'm Cleveland Mosier. It's not Scream 6. It's not Scream 6. It's not my favorite movie. I wouldn't even consider it my favorite Scream movie. No. In fact, I might consider it my least favorite Scream movie that I've seen. That's the subversion. <laughs> <laughs> well, we saw Scream 6. We did. Ghostface Takes New York. Kind uh, of. should be the subtitle. And it was okay, I guess. Yeah, that's the subversion. Is we're given, uh, we're given our our final thoughts at the beginning. It was all right. I can't spoil the movie, Tease. Um, I I thought it was fine. Yes, that's exactly what I thought. It was. it was fine. I don't I don't think it was bad. I think it was. I don't think it was uh, the best thing I've seen. But I liked it just fine. I certainly hold no hate in my heart for this movie. No, I, I think it's, I think no. It's no, I don't hold any hate in my heart for it, but... I mean, I... I, I it think... sounds like Ben does. Okay, so, for preface... Ben did for just context, rewatch I, all yeah, of them. Yeah, I, I, I watched through all five in preparation for this, and it's not my least favorite of all of them. That's probably still Scream 3. It's probably my second least favorite. I think this movie is a little too self-referential. Where, like, the others are referencing the horror genre and horror tropes. This one very much is focused on referencing itself. Well, I think they played themselves by... Well, the studio uh, played themselves and us all by feeling the need to do another one of these so soon after the fifth one. Because I feel like part of what made Scream 5 so special is that, like... It'd been, like, ten years since the last one. There's been actual, like, change and evolution in the horror genre in those ten years. There's trends there's to new, comment on. There's new things to comment on. There's new tropes to satirize. Mm -hmm. Like, there's all of that. And I've really, the whole time we were watching this movie, I felt like they don't know what they're trying to say because... The genre has not evolved enough in the last year for them to say anything different than they did in Scream 5. Yeah, and I mean, they try. Yeah, they try. They sure do. With, you know, kind of focusing on the the horror franchise. Or the yeah, I, I, I think all they're really trying to say is that by the time you get six films into a franchise, it becomes convoluted beyond the point of any sort of coherence and this movie is kind of that it is convoluted and it is kind of incoherent i'm gonna feel uh, i feel old saying this uh but 
Say it, Grandpa. I really, I really would have loved like a flashback to the events of the previous movie. <laughs> I'm real sorry, y'all. Like I watched the original Scream years and years and years ago. I watched the other one. Was it last year? Yeah, year before ish. Yeah. You know, whenever the last one came out, thought it was great. But the the last one was it introduced mostly new characters. I was able to follow along well enough, and it's mostly commentary on the genre. So, like you said a minute mm-hmm. ago, so I was able to track it, have a great time with the movie, and, you know, enjoy the, still respect the references they were making, whether I fully understood them or not. Yeah. And then here, this movie, we just picked up right off where we where we last left. And... Yeah, um, a, year, a year later, but with the same characters. Yeah. yeah. And, and having only watched that movie once in the movie theater, I watch a lot of movies, I didn't remember it super well. I remember liking it. I remember yeah. I, I really liked Scream Five, but I don't. I just didn't have enough really of memory to go off of to remember like all of these characters and who they were, and and then also it's referencing the other movies again, and it just the last one like I remember like all the stuff about like requels and how funny that was and how like I really yeah animated horror yeah I really wanted that laugh and I really needed that laugh and it was good uh, and here like there are a couple of moments like that and I still find all those same characters compelling. I don't know if it just did that much for me. Yeah, well, you know, I I had a similar kind of thing where I didn't remember Scream 5 super well, so, like, I kind of had to ease back into these characters, too. But I find that they fucking repeat themselves enough in this movie mm-hmm. and just, like, directly reference things that happened in the last one that, like, even though there isn't a direct flashback or anything... No, I feel right. like they it's told they told me everything I needed to yeah. know, you know. Well, I remember I, I remember Jenna Ortega and her sister, they were kind of the protagonists. The one the older sister is the daughter of Billy Loomis or whatever and Jack Quaid was the one of the killers and now yeah. they're in New York, baby. I'd forgotten that Jack Quaid was one of the killers until they like flashed his face. <laughs> yeah, reminded us. Like, um, yeah, he was he was the boyfriend in the last yeah, one who turned out like, to be the killer. Yeah, they, they, you're right. The movie does do plenty of like quote organic references back to what had yeah. happened before. Um, but I, I would I really would have liked like an opening credit sequence where we got snapshots of the movie. The movie. See- I, I know it's I know it's like kind of hackney. I know it's it's cheap, but like I just that way I can start the movie knowing they would have they would have done it fifteen years ago. They They wouldn't though because Scream Two doesn't do it. That's the thing. Like this movie has a lot of parallels with Scream Two. Okay, I haven't seen Scream Two. It's essentially a lot of the same characters going to college. You know, well they mentioned that in the movie, so I haven't seen Scream Two by now. I know that because they they say it. But it doesn't feel as self-referential. You know, I think one of the saving graces of Scream 2 is that they use the Stab franchise, the the franchise of films, Mm -hmm. you know, that play off the, you know, the true story, quote unquote, of the the first movie to kind of parody some of that and make that story infamous in some ways and kind of recontextualize the first movie without just directly saying, oh, hey, these are the same characters, let's just pick up where we left off and keep going with it. Where, like, for this one, you know, I feel like they ask a lot more contextually from, like, the last one. Mm -hmm. You know, you need to know these characters well because uh, they come in pretty much right off 
yeah the last one i just saw the last one yesterday and like i don't blame you for not remembering the characters because i don't think the characters outside of the main you know two sisters are that memorable even in the last movie yeah i i had totally forgotten that the other two the other sibling pair the brother and sister Mm -hmm. were even from the fifth one until they have the scene where they're talking about it Mm -hmm. and they have the thing where they're like we're the core four that's the their little genre thing i remembered none of the four characters at all Apologies. They did fine in the previous movie. It's not really the film's fault. Who are you apologizing to? None of them are listening to this. I, no, I need to, you know, just be, being polite. But um, anyway. <laughs> for, for whose benefit? Mine. Uh, fuck off. The, uh, I liked them all. The only one that really stuck out, like, I, I couldn't remember the sisters or any of them, but as soon as the, uh, the, the brother and sister pair, yeah. like, as soon as she started talking about like plot related stuff. I remembered that she was the one right. who had well, because all the best they, lines. Yeah, she's just the doing the exact she, same thing. She did thing. the requel thing, and she, yeah, she exactly. This time they're just out at a park bench spot, and they, she she gives the same spiel. Yeah, and um, the sequel to the requel. I like her more than any of the other characters. I thought that they took her too far with this, with her writing, like with her meta commentary. Like at this point now, like she's yeah, like beyond I, a Greek chorus. She's I found just it, like coming in and just. I found it's, it annoying. It's, it's yeah. bantery. And it's a shame too because I think that the actress is really charismatic. I think yeah, that she's I think she's great, good too. I the the dialogue just got a little bit too like oh it's like this. Like, I really like, I really liked her in that shtick in five, mm-hmm, but I same. found it grating in this one. I don't know why that is necessarily, other than it's just like I felt like I've seen this before. Isn't the whole point of Scream supposed to be that it's like? subverting that it's that it's doing something different than came before why is it just repeating the same thing at me verbatim again Mm. i mean i guess a lot of scream is sort of doing the same yeah it's it's weird but i don't know i i thought i i thought she was obnoxious in this movie yeah Yeah, it's sort of you know like scream has always been sort of about like having so much commentary that it sort of like inverts in on itself and just becomes like a movie again yeah and i feel like this one it's an ouroboros yeah this one didn't really like complete the the cycle and like it just sort of felt like it was still like stuck in meta commentary and it didn't like become a full movie well said thank you well said yeah i know i think i think you're right on the money there Mm -hmm. it never stops just referring to itself yeah yeah and and i don't even mind it referring to other things it's the fact that it's just referring to itself so much is what bothered me you know you know what it is too um another thing that is coming back to me as we talk about it that i really liked about five was the personality of ghostface in yeah the, the previous one they they did they took a lot of steps to emphasize how much of a fucking klutz he was. That's there's always been so a Ghostface thing that I love. Like, yeah, and and like they there's there's I think like one good moment in this. Movie. Yeah, there's hey. one part where Courtney Cox kind of like throws him into like a like a, a framed painting or something on the wall, and it kind of shatters, and you get that little bit. But yeah, well, my I, my favorite was when she uh, she has him on the phone and she says, hold on, I need to take this call. And he says, like, oh, what? And he gets what? cut off. Yeah. That was funny. That was good. And I, I, that was the moment where I sort of was reminded like, oh yeah, this guy's kind of a, a goof. Um, and and we're, we get to we get to laugh at the killer yeah. in Scream movies. And I was like, yeah, okay. 
that's right, I can't wait for more well, of that's, this. And it never really was much more. That's the fun thing about Ghostface as a villain is that in every, in, well, in most instances, the person under the mask is always a dumb teen, right? <laughs> so they're they're kind of klutzy and awkward and stuff. Like my one of my favorite parts of the first scream is at the very beginning where he's chasing Drew Barrymore around, and he just at one point he just slips and eats shit, <laughs> just like in the middle of the scene where he's like <laughs> coming at her with a knife. It's like that that is the stuff that I really love about Ghostface as a villain, mm-hmm. and I agree with you a hundred percent. There's not enough of that in this movie i'm like why isn't ghostface klutzier there's another thing they kind of set themselves up a little bit on um i think the final set is is cool we'll talk about that in a bit but earlier on they mentioned like oh yeah with these like post requel kind of movies we're now into franchise territory right that was cute a little bit. Um, They've been in franchise territory, though. Yeah. Like, yeah. six is a weird time to be like, we're a franchise now. It's like, no, you've been a franchise for fucking 20 years already. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's, and, well, it's, it, it, I like that they sort of pivot from the word franchise into legacy, like, once they can get away with the whole family dynamic being a, a factor. But the the that thing was... the thing that I didn't like is that in all of that, they reference, like, oh, and with franchises, with the next one, you always got to go bigger. And I was expect, I was sort of hoping for either a subversion for that or fuck it, let's get 40 ghost faces. The trailer is just the subway scene that has a lot of ghost faces in it. Without the context of the the subway scene in the movie, I was really kind of hoping they were going to go in that direction where it's like, yo, everyone's everyone's a killer. They're they're on social media. It's a, it's a, um, it's a Riddler from the, the Batman situation. They've got the voice mod app. Anyone can be him. Everyone is him. Yeah. That's, that was the direction I was sort of hoping they were going and everyone's a klutz. Awesome. Let's go. Yeah, I like, mean... Because then you can have, like, ghost faces, like, fucking falling out of apartments. You can have ghost faces... Well, like, they kind of they kind of do that metaphorically, but it's less satisfying than literally. Because, like, yeah. the whole thing is that, like, oh, well, in this case, we're so far into the franchise that basically there are so many rules that there are all of a sudden no rules again. So literally anybody could be the killer. Yeah. Like, it could be... The fucking protagonist from the last movie. It could be this new random guy. It could be the slutty roommate. It could be me. It could be the boyfriend across the hall. It could be the FBI agent who's come back from the last movie yeah. or well, from four. That's that's the core of Scream, right? Like yeah. it's a whodunit dressed up like a slasher. Like, right, but I feel like this is taking it to a further extreme where there's no way to really make a rational guess on who the killer actually is in, in this five, movie. And in 5, I think there was there were more hints at that. I think the, that's the point of this well, movie. Well, I mean, in 5, Dewey basically calls it out halfway through the movie. Yeah. You know, and directly says, oh, he's probably it's the, the boy, killer. Yeah, yeah, it's the weird boy. Yeah, it's the boyfriend. Um, and, you know, they kind of do that in this movie in a way. But I, I don't think the whodunit is well-developed enough in this movie. And I think, no. on top of that, I don't think it, everyone is Ghostface thing works super well just because, like, it undermines the whodunit thing. You know, unless, like, you develop all these different characters and, yeah. you know, make the reveal just everyone coming out as Ghostface. Well, here's, here's how I think... Th- I think they could have gone bigger and better in this one. And it ties in with another one of my problems is that 
why make the point of setting this in New York if that's not going to be more, like, central to the plot? You know what I mean? I think the subway scene does that great, but there's sort of the hokey tradition of when horror, you know, franchises get enough sequels, eventually they're like, we're just going to do this, but in New York. At the beginning, one of the characters is even watching Jason Takes Manhattan on TV, right? So I think what they should have done with this is use this is hokey shit but use the city of new york as a character you know they do a little bit they have the the set piece in the bodega the bodega (laughs) the the bodega Bodega? yeah yeah yeah, yeah, there's the bodega bit which is a little bit the 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 bodega bit is fun and and again like the subway but man how much more fun would the climax have been if instead of that in that weird old rundown theater with all the old ghost face props and stuff it had been what if it had been on the top of the statue of liberty (laughs) (laughs) and what if what if at the part where where samantha is holding on to jenna ortega and the the blood and she's slipping and she's like you have to let me go what if she was hanging instead of just hanging off the the theater balcony she was hanging off the top of the of the statue of liberty there you go. Yeah. Or the Empire State Building or something. I, you I know, really like hiding it. from Ghostface on the Staten Island ferry. You know, what is the <laughs> what is the point? What is the point of dragging the Scream franchise to New York if you're not gonna do something with New York? Yeah. Like they do some things, just not. They do a couple of things, yeah. yeah. And I there's there's no substantive reason in this movie that it has to take place in New York City. Other than literally for them to say the sequel is when they're off at college. Mm -hmm. But, you know, Scream 2, again, it didn't, it basically happened at a local college, you know, in the same area. Sure, like a community college, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, there are some pretty good bits and sequences uh, here and there. And I do, I do like when they first introduced the theater. I liked that scene where it's like, oh, we found the lair of the killer, and oh, because I, I love, I love that shit. I love where it's like, oh, it's a big collection. He's got a big collection of all the stab movies. He's got a big movie theater or screen where he can yeah. play the the scenes on, and he has all the masks. It's super cliche, but it's fun. It's a light. Le- it's and, a and, legacy thing. It's a little trip down yeah. memory lane. Yeah, he's made his own stab Batman cave, and like that's yeah. that's fun. But then they go back to it and they use it again for the climax. Mm-hmm. And okay, callbacks are neat, but also like that's just a, it's a set. We're not getting we're not getting New York Statue See, of I Liberty. Think, I think in some ways that the Bodega was good commentary, you know, on legacy sequels overutilizing uh, self referential stuff is valid. Like, look at fucking Halloween Kills. Yeah, like that is definitely a thing. Like, especially more recent horror sequels over-reference themselves. For sure. And I think... I think The problem even, is that they done did it to themselves. Yeah, well, yeah, that's the thing. Like, by referencing that and commenting on it, you're kind of doing it yourself. You just become it. And, yeah, you become and it. And the thing is, like, on top of that, with commenting on the horror franchise, it makes the movie feel kind of cynical, honestly. Yeah. Like, they're just kind of milking the IP. Yeah. You know, and it... It almost feels like that's what they're trying to say with the commentary. They're saying, you know, it, this is a horror franchise now. We got to milk the IP well, as sh- much as possible. I'm sure we have 
the Scream franchise. I'm sure that when 5 was successful, the studio was immediately like, we got to get another one of these under production ASAP. And, you know, they probably threw a lot of money at Radio Silence and good for them for getting their bag. But I feel like they are... It's it's taking on a very difficult task to try to write a, another interesting Scream movie a year after one comes out. Yeah, it's got I, there's got to be like there's got to be some time for that to brew. And I almost feel like it's an impossible task. So I feel like a lot of that cynicism gets into the film. Yes. And I honestly think it was probably a misstep bringing back so much of the cast from five. I think if you started with a different cast and maybe even brought the cast in from five later into the movie, mm. it would feel much less self-referential. Yeah, like the news lady, I, I just don't, I just didn't remember her. Like Courtney Cox. Courtney Cox? She's in every movie. She's in every single yeah. screen movie. I've seen one and the one from last year that I was, I'm just slowly remembering right now, like I said. So like when she comes up and everyone's like, oh, you or whatever, like I don't, I couldn't remember who she was, but there's like so much context built around her character that I feel like I kind of lost something. With those interactions. That's on you, dog. Yeah, that, that one is on you. I've I've like, seen the same number. I've seen the one. same number of scream films as you have, and I and Trading. I I know she's Gale the Weathers. one legacy character that shows up in this movie. You yeah, know, Sydney Prescott doesn't show up at all in this. Well, yeah, we should talk about that because they did her kind of weird in this. Because I remember when this was announced, there was the whole thing about Nev Campbell not being in the movie. Because she was speaking out against, like, people getting underpaid, like, actors getting underpaid, and she wanted more money, and they wouldn't give it to her, so she's not in the movie. But they, of course, have to reference Sidney Prescott, because she's, like, the through line of the whole franchise. So they just have this one weird throwaway line where Courtney Cox is like... Yeah, Sydney took uh, her husband and kids, and they're on lockdown. She deserves her happy ending, don't you think? And it's like, that feels like a weird, shysty thing to say, considering that, like, Nev Campbell would have been in this one if they'd, like, paid her what she was worth. Yeah. For being, like, the heart and soul of the Scream franchise for fucking 30 years. Like, I... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to be well, like, oh, she deserves her happy ending. So she's not in this movie. Yeah, it makes me wonder like how much they rewrote once she departed. Yeah. Because like I feel like this movie was probably originally structured with a lot more of her in this. Yeah, probably. Because with how self-referential it is, like it feels like she probably should have been the killer <laughs> ultimately. That would have been the ultimate twist, wouldn't it? Yeah. If if Sydney turned out to be the killer all along. I think I kinda would have liked that if that had yeah, been the me case, too. honestly. Me too. I, I don't know if I, I would normally like something like that, but uh well, especially in comparison with what we get at the end of this film, I would have asked for just about well, anything the, better. Let's go ahead and dig into that, shall Yeah, we? well I will say the twist is very similar to two, but before we get into the final act twist, we should talk about the opening scene. Yeah, something you did call yes. last week. Some air yeah. 
Samra yes. Weaving, and then uh, she's the first kill. Yeah, I mean, she's worked with Radio Silence in the past on the fantastic Ready or Not. Yeah, Love that um, movie. Great movie. Banger of a film. Um, and of course, she's not shown in any marketing materials, so yeah. you know what that means. She's going to be the first to die well, off. Yeah, and... well, you, I, I remember you had originally predicted at the beginning of the year that she was the killer, but then last week you said she's the first kill, and yeah, you, you, you called that. And I, I did like that set. I, in general, I liked the whole setup of this movie, because, like, after she gets killed, which is, that setup is fun in and of itself, her talking to who she thinks is a blind date on the phone or whatever, and being lured out into the alley. But I like that then the killer immediately unmasks himself, some punk kid, right, goes back to his apartment, and then he gets killed by the real killers. I, I liked that. that. Yeah, See, I was really hoping that we would just... That that would that be the whole off. movie? Yeah. Yes! Yes, yes dude! <laughs> Like yeah. the hunt almost, where like it just bounces between main character. Yeah, it's like every time you think, okay, this is the real killer, and then another killer shows up and kills them, and it's just like a whole chain. If that had been the entire movie, I think I would have loved yeah. this. Well, film. See, that's what I'm saying is like when you have like like everyone is scream, or sorry, when everyone is ghostface. Yeah, when you have that, you can you could do that. Like the incompetence is that like they have they all have this plan, but they just can't help from killing each other. Yeah, and and that's. Funny. Yeah, I, I actually I actually really love that because it's like you can you can have the the popularity of stab reach like such critical mass where like everybody in America has seen that these people keep doing copycat crimes of the same shit over and over again so that more and more people like well if so many other other people are doing it then i should do it too and you just end up with just like well, everybody like an online movement and it's like the riddler you in, know like yeah in some ways they play that up a little bit because a like after the the first ghost face kill mm -hmm. uh they talk on the tv about how like sales of the the stab outfit and the ghost face masks have spiked yeah and then later in the subway like we had seen like that a couple days before it was halloween but on the subway after halloween a ton of people were in ghost face masks for whatever reason which I found kind of weird. No, I think that I think the night on the subway was Halloween. And the, the, the one before was like a Halloween party that they were all going. Yeah, okay, like a college okay. Halloween party. Because they were gearing up for Halloween. Because somebody at some somebody says at one point Halloween's in like two days, something like that. Uh, so a, a one character yeah. says that. I was confused though too because like the beginning of the movie they are at like a Halloween party, mm -hmm. so you just, just I mean. You know, when you're in college, the whole weekend's a party, you know, for how yeah. whatever. I, I can I can buy it, but I wouldn't have realized that if they hadn't had a character be like, Oh yeah, yeah Halloween is day after tomorrow or yeah. whatever. Yeah, I uh I thought the uh the opening scene was pretty clever with uh Samara Weaving being a film professor. I want, oh, a I, film studies professor. As soon as she said that too, like, Oh yeah, this is what happens in these movies, I'm a film studies professor. I got really excited, and I knew I knew she was going to die. Like, you know, pretty early on, like, yeah. okay, this is this is what's happening. And I, I knew it. A little bummed out because I I loved the idea of like a film studies professor, you know, being like the the scream person, you know. Oh, the killer. Like, or, well, not the killer, but the uh, uh, the, the the protagonist. 
you know? Oh, like, yeah, sure. Well, I mean, in Scream 5, that did start with Jenna Ortega talking with uh, the killer on the phone and talking about elevated horror and stuff like mm-hmm. that and dropping her knowledge on, like, the witch and the Duke and shit like that. And then she does survive and goes on to yeah. be one of the protagonists of that film and this one. I will say, like, it's a tricky position opening a Scream film at Scream 6 because they've done a lot of different things to subvert the opening phone call thing Mm -hmm. with four. They do like three fake out reveals in a row. People watching a movie, watching a movie. Oh yeah. I vaguely remember uh, that. In two, like they are at a movie theater Mm -hmm. watching a stab. And like with this one, like I, I thought it was pretty clever that they, they reveal who that killer was so quickly. Yeah. Yeah, well he stabs her to death and immediately pulls his mask off. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I liked that. It was great. I, I mean, really, yeah, that, that whole setup and him going back to the apartment and talking on the phone with who he thinks is his roommate because they're planning to kill Jen Ortega and the other girl and sort of being led around the house till he opens the fridge and his roommate is all chopped up in there. Um, I thought all of that was great. I thought the film like set a really high bar early on that it sort of failed to meet after that. Yeah. With those characters, one thing that I felt like they were really trying to comment on, and they comment on it a decent amount through the rest of the movie, is like the obsession with like true crime podcasts and like true crime events. Could have leaned into that way harder. It kind of fell flat in the movie, I think. Yeah. Like, they could have definitely pushed that harder. Honestly, if they probably would have had more clarity on, like, what they're trying to comment on, it would have gone a lot further. Yeah. So, with the end. Are we ready? Yeah, we can can get into the end. Um, With the end, we have the big reveal that... The roommate and the uh, who who gets murdered who gets murdered who appears to be murdered earlier, earlier yeah and the brother uh, uh or is is the brother of the one kind of nerdy quiet guy who turns out to have oh he is the killer you know they kind of point out say, oh you're probably the killer the whole time yeah they point at him the whole fucking movie being like we don't know you you're just some random dude you're probably the killer and they do it so much it's like of course he's not the killer but he actually he is, is. Yeah. with the roommate who we saw get quote-unquote murdered earlier and then the most shocking reveal of all that fucking uh, Dermot Mulrooney, <laughs> the, the the cop, was is also the killer. I will say, like... And that they're all Jack Quaid from the last movie's family, so they're doing it for revenge. His I mean, legacy. Yeah, well, like, his, yeah, same, his legacy. Too, because Scream 2 has uh, Billy Loomis's mom, mom right? yeah. as the killer, Nancy Loomis. Which is referencing. So they're just doing uh, it again. Thirteenth. So they're just doing yeah. it again. Mm-hmm. That's that's lame. I man, I, it was like the most unsatisfying killer reveal. Yeah. I will say, I will say, I did like Dermot Mulroney's scenery chewing. 
Yeah, he's fine. He's, I thought he I was, think he was. As soon uh, as he was revealed and he started doing like the, I'm the crazy killer dad stuff, like I I thought that was funny. Yeah. It was very uh, Ian McDiarmid. See, you the know, thing is, very like Palpatine, Seymour, like again, these movies are at their core whodunits, and like I feel like having that scene in the apartment where the roommate quote unquote gets killed. Yeah, and you see all of the primary characters running away from Ghostface. It feels like you have too many characters in the same area at once. And that kind of ruined a lot of the whodunit for me. Because it narrows down who it could be by a shit ton. Yeah, except for the fact that there's always more than one ghost face killer. So you're seeing one, but you don't know who the other one might be. Like... Yeah, I, well, that that's the thing is, like, I, I didn't have any fun trying to figure this movie out because no. they straight up tell you that literally anybody in the film could be the killer, and it's like, okay, cool. And they, they never really do anything to disabuse you of that notion in the movie. The entire movie is just like a series of red herrings and them being like, oh, you're probably the killer because of this, or no, actually, you're probably the killer because of this. And it never feels like the movie is giving you enough clues to actually solve the mystery on your own. So when it does the reveal at the end, it's like, great. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> I can- <laughs> yeah, I it's like, them, I guess. I feel like the the horror sequences themselves in this movie are kind of sloppily shot too obviously i just rewatched five yesterday but i remember there's that great sequence in five of the the kid who is alone at the house and oh yeah he takes a shower and you're nervous because like you keep thinking that the... the psycho reference and then he comes out of the shower and like for example he opens the fridge and you know the fridge blocks the doorway, and when you he closes it, you expect something to pop out, but nothing comes out. You know, and they really play with these tropes of like setting expectations of what a horror movie would do and subverting it, and that's super fun. And like with this movie, you don't really get any of those yeah. like direct subversions of like horror set pieces it's all pretty like just shows up and kills and stabs somebody like the one you're describing too is exactly the kind of thing i think that needs a lot of time in the oven like to to think that out to work it out to to plot it to block it like there's there's a lot of thought that goes into that i will say on that topic for for as quick as movie came out when it came to like the complexity of scenes and blocking, like there's some pretty impressive stuff, like with all the Manhattan crowds and you know everything. Like yeah, down. sure the the sub the subway scene is again a highlight. I think uh, also the bodega scene. Yeah, the bodega. The, the bodega scene is one of the only is it was one of the only scenes in the film where it feels like there's a little bit of that cat and mouse. Because mm-hmm. I love that like the 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 clerk comes out from behind the counter with the shotgun and Ghostface gets a hold of the shotgun. So then he's like hunting them through the the aisles. Yeah, that felt really fresh because we're obviously at the sixth movie, we're so used to Ghostface just stabbing people with a knife. Yeah, it was so nice when he was nice when he had a, when yeah, he had a like, sawed off for a minute. It <laughs> feels threatening. Like I yeah. feel like that was the the most tense scene of the movie in a lot of ways because like you don't know what to expect more than the end 
Like, yeah, the much, the best scene. much more so. Yeah, that that in the subway scene. Those are those are the only scenes that I felt like were really tense. I I I don't. I don't hate the the scene uh, with Courtney Cox in her apartment. Um, I, I think some of that is is pretty fun. Um, again, like what you mentioned earlier, Cleve, where uh, she like is talking to him on the phone. She's like, "Can you hold for, hold for a second? That was funny. Yeah. And she hangs up and calls that, him where, back so she can hear the where the phone is where the phone ringing. Like, I like that stuff. That was clever. But well, there yeah. are some solid moments in this movie, for sure. There, there's some solid moments, yeah, de- definitely, definitely. It's just like, yeah, it doesn't feel like there's as much care. Everything feels like sort of like sloppily thrown together. Like the part where the therapist gets killed at the beginning, like what I kind of. I kind of liked the the aspect that the scene starts with him. He's watching the 1950s invasion of the body snatchers. And it's the part at the very end where the dude is just like looking into the camera, literally screaming, you're next, you're next. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought that was fun. I thought that was fun too. But then when I, where I was expecting, you know, some uh, sort of like drawn out tense scene where like he's being stalked by the killer or whatever. It's like, no, he goes to the door and Ghostface literally just punches through the glass and stabs him in the face. There's a lot and of it's face just like, trauma in this movie. Like, I feel like I'm fine almost with. all the kills are just some someone's face getting There's some destroyed. face trauma. It's nowhere near or as much a knife as haunt. going into the face. <laughs> oh, God, yeah, haunt. Um, I, uh, I, I'm sure you guys could hear, but the dude who is sitting to my right yeah, so loud. was reacting to every single... Uh, stabbing in this movie, like he oh. was, like he was the one being stabbed. <laughs> I couldn't tell. I almost thought it was you. When I'm have I? Off. When have I ever? I, that's why I was like, "Whoa, this must be." When have I ever done that? Yeah. <laughs> Putting a tease through the ringer. We've been friends for ten years, bro. You know, it comes to we audience, had a weird. We had a, we had a like, really lively audience. Ah, so. uh, it it wasn't as lively as it could have been. I wanted. You know, sure. people well, to really react. There was, there's well, a there's moments. There was that one asshole to the left of us who, oh my who, god, who, who, who booed who, during the Nicole Kidman AMC I, Pledge of Allegiance. I'm li- I was livid. I'm still like, I, was I so don't pissed. know if it was the person next to me or the person next to them, weird. but they fucking kept cracking ass, and it smelled so bad. <laughs> it smelled so fucking bad that I had to oh, cover geez. my nose in multiple moments <laughs> oh in the my movie. God. I'm sorry. Rude farts doesn't like the Nicole Kidman Pledge of Allegiance. Get him out of here! Get him the fuck out of here! Get him the fuck out of here! Not in my AMC. Uh uh-uh. uh. Yeah, you know, I feel like the dude who's sitting next to me was kind of uh, he kind of got encouraged because like there was there was like the group of girls like two rows ahead of us who like cheered and clapped at the end of the Nicole Kidman thing, which I re- which I appreciate and respect, yeah. and I I gave I joined them gave them. A little Same. round yeah. of applause, and I think the dude next to me took that as a sign of, "Oh, we Riffender in this movie," which Honestly. I, which is weird because like <laughs> he just like very loudly just said things a couple of times, like he was looking for like a reaction from the audience. It's like, come on, dude, bro. <laughs> I kind of love people like, like that, like. You know? Like I feel like we don't get enough of that. Like <laughs> within reason, I, yeah. at the movie theater I like at, it. Like, at the movie theater I like movies, it less. Like, yeah, 
pop, give me a popcorn movie where like people are just yelling at the screen and shit. Like that's fine. I don't no, don't I, do it during like a serious movie. I don't like, mind. I don't mind people genuinely reacting to a movie. I enjoy that. But this dude felt like he was trying to like get laughs from like the audience. So try, he was a tryhard. He was a tryhard. Yeah, yeah he was yeah, a tryhard. Too much. And I don't and I don't respect that. A lot of people clapped at the ending. Yeah, I, you know that that's okay. That's what it is. I've never understood that. I've never understood that. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, nobody who made the movie is here. Like, who are you clapping for? <laughs> yeah, man. I did. You know, I I I must say, I did feel compelled to uh, applaud at the end of Avatar two. Hey, man, I, I the first time I saw respect, it, I, I didn't, I didn't, but I did feel compelled. <laughs> at, at the end of Way of Water, I was, I, I was ready to stand up and applaud Big Jim. But yeah. not, not Scream Six. This movie was not worthy of applause. No. I don't think it was fine. Yes, but it wasn't compared to the last one. It feels like a step down, big step sure. down, and it feels like. Uh, just kind of a soulless franchise edition, you know. Yo, same exact thing they're commenting on. So let me get something straight. All right. I thought that Kirby was that pink fella from Nintendo. Yes. You're telling me that that was the cheerleader from Heroes all along. <laughs> they both be sucking. Save the Kirby. Save the what? Ooh. <laughs> save the cheerleader. Save the world. She's great. Yeah, she, she's yeah, fine. She's, she's fine in this. She's, she's, she's fantastic. Hayden Panettiere shows up. Yeah. She's in Scream 4. She's yeah. an FBI agent now. Yeah, I thought she, she did a great job. She's very charismatic. She's still very sexy, even if she has a bit of a Karen haircut in this one. She, they did give. They did slap her with the Karen cut. Yeah. Uh, yeah, she's good in this movie. She's, she's fine. She's great in uh, Scream 4. She's kind of the smart-ass, kind of quippy movie nerd. In the fourth one. Um, yeah, so- well, she has the movie nerd Ooh. off with the other movie nerd girl in this one. Where they're like, Candyman, original or requel? Both. See, they're it's, just wrong on uh, that that, that is just incorrect. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I, I acknowledge that I was pretty positive on the Candyman requel coming right off of it. But, uh... Not enough time to talk. N- yeah, I, I've that that movie has that movie has soured on me yeah, <laughs> after a while. Uh, it's fine. The, uh, yeah, she was she was good. Uh, she was she was fine. I liked uh, something I did like about her was that she comes back as an FBI agent, and people were like, "She's an FBI agent now." And the movie's like, "I don't think about it." And I thought that was kind of cute. Like, like yeah, yeah. I don't think about it. She's an FBI. I, agent I did now. like the misdirect of them trying to play up that she was the killer, right? in the final act there. Yeah, but they only do that for like 2 minutes before yeah. they reveal the real killers. Also like See, I always wish how, like, she was trying to be a killer but was foiled by the the family who was also trying to be the killer. Yeah, yeah. man, before the actual reveal like, of yeah, chain of killers. Yeah. Before the actual reveal of who the killers were, it felt like they were really building to something special for a second because I think there is a lot of like really fun stuff that they do for just a minute there with like the one killer showing up and then oh there's the second one that we've been expecting and they told us that one of them's Hayden Panettiere but oh then she shows up and 
and she's like, no, they knocked me out. It's like, is she one of the killers? And then there's they're pointing guns at each other, and then another killer shows up, and it's like, it's so good. Have another one. Walk yeah, it, that's what I'm saying. I'm it, like, Spartacus. It, it no, really, I'm Spartacus. It felt, it felt like... <laughs> It was so that felt like intentionally hard to follow in a way that I thought was like kind of funny. Oh, yeah, that was funny. Yeah. Where like they're even in the moment, like they're all still like accusing each other and I I felt like something like it was really building to like a fun goofy climax and it's like eh. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> you got to let me go. It was pretty trite. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of fun that she she uh she sort of assassins creeds the the, yeah. the guy. She also lands yeah. on the dude's knife. It's yeah, it's yeah. kind of messy. You know, Jen Ortega fun. gets stabbed so many times in this movie and it never it never like negatively affects her for longer it's than a lot like, of characters I mean, that's seconds. like almost all of the cast. Like well, cat well, I mean there's there they turn into a bit at the end that pretty much everybody survives vibes but like at least with a few of them you think they're dead because it's like oh they've been stabbed Ooh, they're dying but it's like right when the when the killers show up there's like jenna ortega and the other guy are like kissing and the killer like runs up behind her and like stabs her in the back and then immediately after that she's just running around like nothing happened and then when she jumps onto the guy yeah when she jumps onto the guy like you said she kind of falls onto his knife he stabs her in the gut she's like ooh. and then immediately after that no longer like concerned with the stab wound or the one in her bag and it's like she and her sister get to like walk out of there at the end like badasses while their friends are like wheeled around on gurneys it's like you're also full of knife wounds it undermines the threat yeah, Ghostface when everyone can survive a ghost face stabbing like. and and it feels again it it feels kind of cynical that the movie even says to like straight up says to you that's the twist that we're that we all survived then what's the point, right? Like, yeah, I guess technically it is a subversion. That's not a satisfying subversion. The core four are still alive. Cool, so they can come back and scream seven next year? I hope not. Do something completely different. Do a, do a Halloween three. Wait a few scream. years. Wait a few. Scream is like the perfect like franchise film to sit on for like 10 years we'll scream out every 10 years and guaranteed like put it in the hands of the right people and it's gonna be a bop but you start trying to crank these motherfuckers out every year people are gonna get tired of that shit real quick hell i'm feeling tired of it after this one which is unfortunate because i really was looking forward to this movie yeah right yeah yeah we've it's been kind of a short discussion but yeah sure let's rate um Man, I don't know. Like, it, it definitely wasn't a miserable experience. I thought it was fine. It had a, a handful of good sequences, but it's really cynical. It's not really saying anything new. And I found it convoluted and incoherent to its detriment. Eh, two and a half out of five. Yeah, you know, coming out, I was thinking three and a half, but I'm going to give it a three Same. out of five. I think it's... It's fine. It's not great. Could be much better. Again, I think it's probably 
the second worst of the franchise, second to uh, Scream 3. Um, but at least Scream 3 tried to do something different. Yeah, I'd even go as far as to say that I think that they could do a fine third of these. I think they could do a seven. Um, but for please, for fuck's sake, please don't do it next year. Yeah, just wait a few years. Like, give it, give it some time, digest it, fucking write it, take your, take your time writing it, don't rush this. Like, Have something new to say about the horror genre, because, mm-hmm. like, they did, they, they had a lot of good, fun satire in five, but they just, they used, they, they had to re, fucking rehash it in this one, and it's like, yeah, it just doesn't have the same lasting effect. I, honestly, uh, it's probably my least favorite film of the year so far. Mm. Wow. I the, of, of, the, mine, of the handful we've seen. Of year. the handful we've seen. I don't, I, yeah, it's nowhere near mine. Well, uh, oh, Scream it? 6 gets an average of 2.8 out of 5. Actually, next week, it's your pick. Next week, it's my pick. And 2023, the three C's. Carpenter, Cronenberg, and Creatures. This is a Cronenberg. I'm doing uh, Dead Ringers. Hell yeah. It's been Which a while I'm since I've seen it. excited about. It's been a while since I've seen they're it, doing too. A, they're doing a, an I'm, Amazon show based on it soon. Yeah, starring, uh, in June or starring Rachel Weiss. We'll, yeah. uh, we'll see how that is. Um, but yeah... Dead Ringers is one of my favorite Cronenbergs, so that's what we're doing next week. It's sponsor. Sponsor time. Sponsor time. It's time for a sponsor. It's sponsor time. All right. This week was brought to you by Cowboy Curtis from Pee Wee's Playhouse. That's odd. I didn't. I didn't know he did like official media sponsors on this. Uh, it's not Pee Wee's Playhouse. It's just Cowboy Curtis. Yeah, well, I mean, couldn't afford all of Pee Wee's Playhouse. Yeah, so no Pee Wee. This, this episode is not sponsored by Pee Wee. No, Pee Wee's Pee Wee's expensive, but yeah. Cowboy Curtis. Just Cowboy Curtis. Cowboy They're Curtis us, only. So. Cowboy That's Curtis. right. Yeah. <laughs> Damn, I forgot how sponsors work. <laughs> we're we're paying Cowboy Curtis to sponsor the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> or well, something. I don't even know if that's happening. All I know is that I. Sp- the shelf starts glowing, I start speaking, the shelf stops glowing, I stop speaking. It stopped glowing, I think we're safe. Alright, well, that'll that'll do it for us this week. If you like the show, give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcast uh, or Spotify or wherever. If you can rate the show, do it. You can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash podpeoplepod. Shoutouts to our honorary pod boys, Sam, Zach, Micah, all class acts Hell for yeah. supporting the show. Thank you. Um, hey, our Patreon Discord popping off now. That's right. Yeah. If you want to join, if you want to join the, the, the pod people. Horror movie discussion. Yeah, yeah if you want to join the Discord, you can do that via Patreon. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Twitter, at podpeoplepod. Letterbox.com slash podpeoplepod, uh, where you'll find a list of all the films we've talked about on the show with our average ratings and links to those reviews. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Some Spooky Snake and also streaming on Twitch uh, at twitch.tv slash Some Spooky Snake. I think Spooky Saturday is this weekend when this comes out. I think. I don't know. 
I can't remember. You didn't finish RE7. No, I'm still working on RE7, but I think I'm pretty close. I think I'm pretty close. From what I saw. Um, Well, I'm on Twitter at Mr. Sheets. And you can find a lot of my work on uh, DreadXP.com. Amongst or just Dread XP on Steam, amongst all of our super cool games, I have done art on plenty of them, or QA or something else, but uh, mostly art these days. Um, and of course, as per usual, you still got a good, good while before it comes out. But stay hyped for Creep Show. Um, that's gonna be real fun. I know I'm staying hyped. Hell yeah, There's a lot of fun work on that lately. Well, thanks for listening, and if you enjoyed the sound of Ben eating a milkshake for the last several minutes of the podcast, uh, then be sure a milkshake. Then be sure to tune in next week. Stay hydrated. <laughs> Bye. Yeah, I'm up at Brooklyn. Now I'm down in Tribeca, right next to the Nero. But I'll be hood forever. I'm the new Sinatra. And since I made it here, I can make it anywhere. Yeah, they love me everywhere. I used to cop in Harlem. All of my Dominicanos right there up on Broadway. Pulled me back to that McDonald's. Took it to my stash spot, 560 State Street. Catch me in the kitchen like a Simmons whipping pastry. Cruising down A Street, off white Lexus. Driving so slow, but BK is from Texas, me, I'm out there, best home of that boy Biggie. Now I live on Billboard, and I brought my boys with me. Say what up to Tata, still sipping my top, sitting courtside, Knicks and Nets give me high five. Nigga, I be spiked out, I could trip a referee. Tell by my attitude that I'm most definitely from.